I want to invite everybody to please stand for the reading of God's Word in Deuteronomy chapter 1. And if you've been paying attention, we are doing Deuteronomy in reverse. Deuteronomy chapter 1, verses 6 through 8. It's a very short, brief passage. This is God's Word for God's people. Chapter 1, starting in verse 6. The Lord our God spoke to us at Horeb. You've stayed at this mountain long enough. Resume your journey and go to the hill country of the Amorites and their neighbors in the Arabah, the hill country, the Judean foothills, the Negev, and the seacoast, to the land of the Canaanites and to Lebanon, as far as the great river, the Euphrates River. See, I have set the land before you. Enter and take possession of the land the Lord swore to give your fathers, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, and their future descendants. And as a spirit of prayer, we're going to pray the Shema, the Jesus version, which is found in the Gospels. But one day when the, uh, the Maestro de la Ley, when the Pharisees and teachers of the law, when they asked Jesus, what is the most important commandment? This is what Jesus said. It will be on the screen for sponsored reading. Jesus answered, the most important commandment is this. And we all say together, listen, Israel. The Lord our God, the Lord is one. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, and with all your strength. The second is, love your neighbor as yourself. There is no other command greater than these. Let's pray. Father, we thank you so much for this awesome day. And we invite you, Holy Spirit, to speak to us today, to bring encouragement through your word, this text in Deuteronomy. Father, as we just prayed and declared that we would truly live out the great commandments of loving you with everything that we are and loving our neighbor as ourself. Father, give me your words that I would say only what you want. Speak to us, each and every one of us, those who are here, those worshiping online. Father, for all of our dear brothers and sisters. And Lord, you know that many in our congregation are sick and ill, and Jesus, we ask that you would extend your hand to bring healing and comfort and strength. Father, as the sun shines outside, may your son Jesus shine in our hearts brightly today. And it's in your name we pray, Jesus. Amen and amen. You may be seated. Well, it is a joy seeing each and every one of you all here this morning. Before we dive into chapter one here in Deuteronomy, just a quick review. We're doing influence. Influence with wisdom, influence with intent, influence with love. Today is influence with action. And I'll be very honest with you. I get a little nervous with this sermon and some of what I'm going to say, because a lot of it is going to look like obey, obey, obey. And just last week, we hit really hard that we don't obey to gain God's favor or his love. He already loves us more than we could possibly think And imagine we obey him because we love him. We love him because he first loved us. And I don't ever want to get that backwards. But we are going to look at verses today that talk a whole lot about, if you love me, you'll obey me. But before that influence, we all influence other people, especially the younger generations. And a lot of our videos talk about who's influencing our kids, their devices, our devices. Are you influencing your kids? Are you influencing your grandkids? Children copy everything they see. 
Sociologists are even saying that children within weeks begin to imitate the, what they see from their mother or father's face. I've got several pictures here. Look at this little guy here with his daddy. And they'll just kind of scroll through. And you'll see kids imitating their parents or their older siblings. Why? One of the main reasons is it helps children feel like they belong to a community. I'll never forget, years ago, I was in Mexico. We hadn't even had Sammy yet as a, as a, as a son. And some of our best friends came down, and they had a little girl who was 14 months old. She was adopted. Her name is Maya. She's already gradu- graduated college. I can't believe it. And they came down to visit us for like a week, and they were with us in Fresno, and then we went to Guanajuato, which was another city. And I love to exercise. You guys know I exercise so I can eat. And it's becoming harder and harder. More kilos keep coming on. Right, Byron? I see yes. And I'm doing squats and push-ups and jumping jacks in the, in, the, in, in the room, in the hotel room. And then I hear this noise right beside me. And I'm not paying attention, but I hear this little, this little grunt. Ugh. And I look back and Maya is standing right beside me. And she's doing a push-up. And then I get down and I do a push-up. She copies me. I get up and I do a squat. She does a squat. She doesn't hardly know me from Adam. They had just flown down. I had just met her for the first time. She's 14 months old. She can barely stand up. And then I did one of those push-ups where you get down and you hold, you hold yourself like two inches off the ground for 30 seconds. And she gets down and she's doing it. She's turning red in the face. Anything I did, she did. Influence. We've talked about influence with wisdom, influence with intent, influence with love. Today is influence with action. We are all influencing people. My question for me and for you is, who are we influencing and how? Right here, Deuteronomy chapter 1, verse 6. Let's stand again. We'll get a little bit of exercise. We're going to read it again. It's important. It's God's word for his people and this little, these verses here might not make, make much sense to us, but hopefully in 20 minutes it will. The Lord our God spoke to us at Horeb. You've stayed at the mountain, this mountain long enough. Resume your journey and go to the hill country of the Amorites and their neighbors in the Arabah, the hill country, the Judean foothills, the Negev, and the seacoast, to the land of the Canaanites and to Lebanon, as far as the great river, the Euphrates River. See, I have set the land before you. Enter and take possession of it. The Lord swore to give you your fathers, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, and their future descendants. Amen. You may be seated. Here's the context of what is going on. 400 and something years before this event right here, God appeared to Abraham, who is the father of the Jews. And he told Abraham to go west because see, Abraham at the time was living in what's modern day Iraq. He told him to go west. And so Abraham believed And it was accredited to him as righteousness. And God promised Abraham. He promised Isaac. He promised Jacob. He said, I will give you a land, a place of your own. And you'll have descendants that are more numerous than the stars. And through your descendants, I will bless all nations of the earth. That's a promise about Jesus, the Messiah. We see it in Genesis chapter 12. So Abraham, he goes to what we know as the promised land is Israel. And he's there, his son Jacob, his grandson, his son Isaac, his grandson Jacob. And then if you know the Old Testament story, Joseph is sent down in slavery to Egypt. And there's this major event of reconciliation with his brothers who sold him in slavery. And they all moved to Egypt. 70 plus people 
depending on your version of the Bible, 70 or 77. But 70 people, Israelites, the very first ones, they moved to Israel. And generations pass and a new Pharaoh arises who doesn't know who Joseph is. And he enslaves all the Jews. And for over 400 years, the Jewish people are in bondage and in slavery there in Egypt. 400 years. And they cry out, they call out to their God, save us, rescue us. And he does, he sends Moses and with God's mighty right hand. And if you've read in Exodus, with the plagues, with the signs, with the wonders, and he sets his people free from slavery there in Egypt. And he pulls them out with his mighty mighty hand. They go through the Red Sea on dry land. The Egyptian army is destroyed. And right there, after the Red Sea event, they go to Mount Hor, which we know as Mount Sinai as well. And it's there on that mountain. When God descends upon the mountain, there's thunder, there's thick, dark clouds, there's lightning. The people are terrified. And Moses goes up into that dark cloud and the Lord gives them the Ten Commandments, which we saw last week. Israel, stay on that mountain for almost a year. It's only an 11-day journey to get up to the promised land. They have just seen what God, is gonna, what God has done to Egypt, and God reaffirms his covenant with them. I'm giving you a land of your own. And they stay there on that mountaintop, around that mountain, receiving the commandments, encountering the Lord. It's a powerful, amazing time of being established in the relationship with the Lord. Have you ever had a mountaintop experience with Jesus? Have you ever had an encounter with the Lord where you didn't want to leave? Have you ever had seasons in your life where you're like, this is awesome. And I pray it never changes. But invariably, what happens? It changes. Israel was freed and rescued. And then God says, you've been on this mountain long enough. It's time to go to the promised land. It's only 11 days journey away. Now, if you know the story of Israel, they go up to the promised land. They send in spies, 12 of them, one from each tribe. The spies come back after running throughout the whole land. They come back, 10 of those 12 spies say, we can't do it. There are giants in that land. There's nations bigger and stronger than us. We can't do it. God lied to us. He set us up. There's no way we can do it. Two of the spies, Caleb and Joshua, pleaded with the people saying, no, we can. Yes, we can. God is with us and he's for us. What do the people do? They listened to the other 10 spies. And because of their disobedience and their lack of faith, their lack of trusting in the Lord, they then spend almost 40 years in the desert until that generation dies. Powerful consequences to disbelief, unbelief, and disobedience. You see, in the time of the desert for those 40 years, God miraculously provided for the Israelites manna, water, 
protection. Their sandals never wore out. Their clothes never wore out. And miraculously, and Dustin shared this story with us a couple weeks ago about healing freedom prayer. Manna, what is this? God provided for them. And at the end of those 40 years, Moses wrote this book, Deuteronomy. It's the last of the five books that, that Moses wrote in the Old Testament. Deuteronomy is a sermon. It's the longest recorded speech that we have on record. The whole entire book of Deuteronomy is a sermon that Moses gave at the end of those 40 years. And right here in chapter 1 of Deuteronomy, and we've looked at several passages this month about influence. And we're going backwards. We're going in reverse. Because sometimes to go forward, you've got to go back. And what Moses is doing, he's now encouraging this new generation of adults and leaders. They know that Moses is not going into the promised land with them. God has already made it clear that he's going to die and Joshua is going to lead them in. The people know that there are nations, there are people groups larger, stronger, more powerful, and more established there in the promised land that they're going to have to conquer. There's going to be trials. There's going to be tribulation. There's going to be wars. There's going to be battles. There's going to be loss. And just like the previous generation, this new generation, they're going to be confronted with their belief or unbelief. Are they going to trust the Lord or not with his faithful promises of a new land, a place of their own? And what what Moses is doing right here, he's reminding the current generation, this is what happened. That's why we read here in verse 6, the Lord our God, it's Yahweh, And if I'm correct in my Hebrew, Yahweh Adonai, Yahweh is God's name, and it's the most personal name for God, relationship. The Lord our God, what he spoke to us, he's reminding the people, we have a personal relationship with Yahweh, the God and creator of all things. He speaks to us, and we saw it in chapter 5, he speaks to us face to face. It's personal, it's very relational. And he spoke to us on Mount Horeb. And he says, you've stayed on this mountain long enough. It's time to fulfill your destiny. It's time to walk in obedience. It's time to take that next step. You can't stay here forever. There's a season for everything. There's a time for everything. There's a time for mountaintop experiences with the Lord. And there's a time for walking in deserts. There's even a time for walking in the valleys. But if you know Psalm 23, God is faithful. He is more than faithful. As we sang in Spanish, he is our king and he is worthy of all honor and glory and power and dominion. And he's faithful to walk with us and beside us and to sustain us. The question is, do we believe and will we step out in faith? He tells them right here, you've stayed long enough on this mountain. Let's go. And then right here in in verse 7, he describes the promised land from the east to the west, south, and the north. God is reminding them, I promised this to your to your antepasados, to your ancestors, to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, and I'm promising it to you. Go. And this generation who Moses is talking to currently, he's reminding them, this is what happened 40 years ago. 
It's now your time to fulfill and obey and to go into that promised land. And then right here in verse 8, look at what God says to his people. See, see, do you see? What does God say? I have set the land before you. God is doing the work. God is always working in our lives. Do you see it? I have set the land before you. Enter and take possession of the land. God is commanding them to do it. All they have to do is step out in faith, believe, and obey. It doesn't mean it's going to be easy. God, what's the phrase I put down here, Hunter? God promises, God provides, and I'm going to cheat, and God empowers. God promises to be faithful. God gives us the power, and he provides everything we need, and he empowers us to fulfill it. Jesus does the work in and through us, not in our own strength. And he tells the Israelites, see, I have set the land before you. Enter and take possession. And then he reminds them, it's the land I promised and swore to your fathers, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, and their future descendants. Guys, this, we could close this book up and be like, well, that's for back then. Everything written in the Old Testament is written as an example for us. We can see Jesus in every single Old Testament book. We see Jesus here in this whole entire first five books of the Bible. In order to be free, God commanded Moses to tell the Israelites, take a lamb, a lamb without blemish, sacrifice it, cook it, put the blood on the doorpost, and the angel of death will pass over. In the Old Testament, they celebrate the Passover, reminding the Israelites that God rescued them from slavery in Egypt. When John the Baptist was on the scene and when he saw Jesus coming to him, he shouted out, behold, the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. Jesus is our Passover lamb. Jesus' blood was shed on the cross for our sins. And we celebrate every Sunday. Do you know that today is a mini resurrection day? Do you know why Christians gather on Sundays? And not on the Sabbath. The Sabbath was yesterday in Jewish tradition. Today is Sunday, the first day of the week, but we gather today. Do you know why? It's to remember that Jesus rose from the dead. And because he rose from the dead, he has pulled pulled us out of slavery and sin to new and eternal life. We have a promised land, but it's not in Israel. It's not in the United States. It's not in my dear Mexico. It's in heaven in God's presence. And we have an inheritance that he's promised to us from the beginning that one day Jesus will return and he'll gather everyone who loves him. And he'll take us back to his home, his house. And he said, my father is preparing a place for you. Now, some of one of my questions, I'm going to steal this from Keith Green, who used to be a Christian singer back in the 70s. Ooh. He said this before one of his songs. I can't wait to get to heaven. He said this. 
When I look at creation and how beautiful creation is, I see the sun, the moon, the stars. I see the mountains. I see the oceans. I see the rivers. And he says, scientists and theologians, they debate if it was created in seven days or millions of years. And he says, that really doesn't matter to me. But this I do know. Jesus said that he's going home to prepare a place for me and for some of you. And if this creation, as beautiful as it is, took only six days to create, and Jesus has been in heaven and his father's preparing a place for me and for you, I can't imagine how amazing heaven is when it's taking him at least almost 2,000 years to create and make for you and for me. Can you imagine how incredible and awesome heaven is where there is no weeping, there is no dying, there's no death, there's no sickness, there's no sin. We're in perfect harmony and community with one another in the presence of our Father. There are no tears. And we're standing around the throne so overwhelmed by the glory and presence and majesty of Jesus. That is our home. That is where he's taking us. He's going to come back and take us. This is not our home. And if we feel like we're homeless here, that's a good sign. Because our home is with him. That's our inheritance. That's what we're looking forward to. The Israelites here, they were commanded, leave the mountaintop. Go, take possession of the land. And he says, see, I've laid it out. It's right before you. Enter. Take. How do we apply this passage to our lives? There's a thousand and one ways we could do it. Influence with action. Children copy us because they see us. They watch us. We have an impact. Children copy us. They copy the good, bad, and ugly. I'll never forget sitting outside of our church in Mexico, and this little one-and-a-half-year-old was sitting in between my legs. I was sitting on the step. Hopefully the camera can see it. And this little boy who's now a grown man was standing in between my legs. And a couple of us were sitting here, and his, friend, his older brothers were running up and down the street. And this little boy started using language that could peel wallpaper off the wall. It was so nasty. And we were shocked. Where did this little thing get these words? He was copying his mom and dad. Another story, another little girl, she's now a grown woman now. She learned in Bible club that Jesus healed people. Jesus would put his hands on the sick and he would heal them. One day, their washing machine, which was a rare thing to have in the neighborhood where we lived, broke They did not have the money for a new one. And this little three-year-old asked, Mommy, Jesus heals sick people. Let's put our hands on the washing machine and pray for it. Of course, the mom kind of laughed it off. And she saw her little three-year-old put her hands on that washing machine, pray that Jesus would heal the washing machine, and it started back up again. I'm just saying we don't have because we don't ask. And I'm not talking about name it, claim it. How do we apply this verse to our lives? I've got several verses. Influence with action. The first one is this. We obey God 
because we love God. John chapter 14, verse 21. Jesus says, who is it that loves me? The one who has my commands and keeps them. He is the one who loves me. And the one who loves me will be loved by my father. And I also will love him and I will reveal myself to him. We love God. And because we love him, we obey him. Our obedience is fruit of our love. Hear me clearly. We do not obey so that God will love us. We obey because we love him. And we love him because he first loved us. And when we walk in humble obedience with our heavenly father, Jesus says, my father will love him. And Jesus says, I too will love him and show myself to him. Now, Jesus already, God already loves the whole world. What this verse and what Jesus is saying is that when someone walks in humble obedience with the Father, that love relationship with our Heavenly Father grows deeper and more intimate as we walk in humble obedience. There's greater revelation when we walk in humble obedience to the Lord. God doesn't love us any less, but when we walk in humble obedience, there's greater intimacy in connection with him. We don't have to prove God anything. And we don't have to work harder for him to love us. All we need to do is humble ourselves and say, God, here I am. Have your way with me. Influence with action. Point number two is this. And this is a promise. It's found in Ephesians 2.10. We were created for good works. We are God's trophies. In Ephesians chapter 2, verse 10, I think it'll be on the screen. Hunter, is it up there, John? This is what Paul says right after one of those famous faith verses. For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared ahead of time for us to do. We are God's trophies. We are his chosen possession. And he's created us to do good works, to take possession of the land. The third bullet point, influence with action. Be doers of the word. Similar to number one, James, Jesus' half-brother, he commands us in James chapter 1, verse 22. He says, don't just be listeners, hearers of the word, only deceiving yourself, but be doers of God's word. One of my friends had an old T-shirt. God said it. I believe it. That settles it. May we walk in humble obedience. The fourth point is this, and this is one of the keys for me personally because I can get really hung up on doing and doing and doing. It comes from Hebrews chapter 12, verse 1 and 3, but it's run with perseverance with our eyes fixed on Jesus. The only way we can influence others with action is by our eyes fixed on Jesus. He is the one who does it for us. He promises, he provides, he empowers. But look at what Hebrews chapter 12 says. And I know these are a lot of verses, so hopefully you're writing them down. Mary, you getting them? You got them? Okay, good. Hebrews chapter 12, verse 1 through 3. If you know the book of Hebrews, this is right after the great faith chapter of chapter 11. 
where the author of Hebrews puts down all these people who are heroes of the faith. But if you read that chapter, chapter 11, there's a bunch of scumbags in that, in that list. Murderers, adulterers, idolaters. But they're heroes of the faith. And then he says this, Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, they're surrounding us. Let, let us lay aside every hindrance. What's hindering your walk with Jesus today? Unforgiveness, self-pity, your money, your free time, friendships, your past, an unknown future. We're to lay aside everything that hinders our walk with Jesus and the sin. There could be some things that are good in our lives that hinder our walk with the Lord. We've got to lay it aside. Here's the key. Let us lay it aside, the sin, everything that entangles. Let us run with endurance the race that lies before us. Each of us have a race, our life. And then here's the key in verse 3. Keeping our eyes on Jesus. I love this part. The pioneer and perfecter of our faith. The author of the perfecter of our faith. And then look at this, and this is the key. For the joy that lay before him, he endured the cross. He scorned its shame or he despised its shame. And now he sits at the right hand of the Father and he intercedes for us. In order to walk humbly before our God, to walk in humble, loving obedience, we've got to fix our eyes on Jesus And remember what he's done for us. He promises, he provides, he empowers. The final thing is this, and these are some of the marching orders for us. The Great Commission. It's Matthew 28, 19 and 20. This is Jesus' last command before he ascended to heaven. He says, go, therefore, and make disciples of all nations. If you don't ever visit that map map back there, for some of you it might be hard to see, those are all of our global workers. There's 10 of them. 10 different family units scattered all throughout the world making disciples. We are privileged to partner with them. If you haven't been over there, go over there. There's prayer cards of each global worker family unit. It's almost 30 people total. Take their prayer cards, pray for them, even if you don't know who that person is. God does. Half of them are using code names because we can't reveal who they are and we can't put their picture on there. But God knows. Our marching orders are to make disciples, followers of Jesus of all nations, teaching them everything that he's commanded us. So as we look at Deuteronomy, he tells Israelites, go. I've set the land before you. For us, he has his inheritance before us. It's God himself. It's heaven. And as we live this life out, we are called to walk in humble obedience, to be doers of the words, not just hearers, to remember that we were created for good works. And we obey God because we love God. And the Great Commission, all of us are called to make disciples. I asked this question earlier, who are you influencing and how? 
we can relate the question. And I want to invite the worship team to come back up. I want to invite everybody to stand up. But here's one of my questions for all of us. Who are you influencing? And how are you influencing them? Are you influencing them for the glory of Jesus? And my prayer is that we would say yes. I gave you guys a lot of Bible verses today. My prayer is that you wrote them down, study them, read them, meditate on on them. And as we pray right now, what is one thing that God is speaking to you today? What is one thing? Let's pray. Father, I want to thank you for this awesome day. Jesus, we love you and we praise you and we thank you. And Holy Spirit, we ask now that you would speak to our hearts that one thing. We are your children and like little children, may our eyes be fixed on you, Jesus, that we would imitate you like my dear little friend Maya who is trying to do push-ups and sit-ups with me as a a one-and-a-half-year-old. Jesus, may our eyes be fixed on you. And may we throw everything off that hinders the sin that so easily entangles. And may we run with perseverance with our eyes fixed on you. But Jesus, too, may we realize and understand that we impact and influence others, those around us, our own children, our spouses, our parents, neighbors, co-workers, friends. Jesus, when people see us, may they see you. Jesus, we thank you and we praise you. We ask these things in your name. If you need prayer, I'll be down here ready to pray with you, for you. Johnny will be standing over here at the Next Steps table. If you've got questions just about salvation, if you want to pray with him, questions about membership, baptism, he would love to talk with you as well. Let's worship.